0: Ingram Smith, but Elliot back again for another episode of the Knollcast as always we would uh, like to thank our sponsors the legendary team a legendary home loan been great to work with Chad for gosh I don't know 5 years now uh and all of the team there so fantastic uh, people big thank uh big thank you to them for all that they've done for this podcast over the years and um uh, yeah, bud. Let's uh let's jump into it. Are we recording? Is this one live, or is this just no? We are. We're not going. Li- we're we're not going live. On,
1: I just. I know you and I both have so much stuff going on today. That's like I, I thought the odds that we would ha- like potentially get a call during this that we have to take and then so, edit the show, which is why I didn't want to go live. Just very.
0: Those odds are very high. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. All so, right.
1: Cool. Um. All right. We have not had each. By the way, happy new year. Uh, yeah pretty happy to turn this calendar to January. December was not the best of months. December
0: was, uh, yeah, man. December was just, you know, one of the more challenging months that I can remember going through, uh, for me personally. And I know it was not a whole lot of fun for this fan base. So did you guys do anything for new year? Not a thing, man. No, I was, uh, asleep by 10
1: 30. It was nice. We did a little, uh, staycation. So, uh, I was in a, uh, a fivesome with, uh, uh, golf, mm-hmm. uh, just to be clear, uh, with, uh, buddy of mine, he was like a plus one and then another buddy and uh, another buddy. And then also Danny Cannell, and Cannell hit like two 70 foot Eagle putts. So we ended up winning, uh, the two night stay at a fun hotel downtown and uh, so a little staycation, no kids, which was uh, cool. So thank you to Danny, uh, for just dropping putts like crazy. And we, we, so we won the, uh, the citrus bowl, uh, tournament back in April. And I was like, I got to use these nights before the end of the year. So that's, uh, that's what we did. I did watch the orange bowl. Um, man, I went 47, 13 on my prediction. I thought that was kind of aggressive. And uh, I'm not really worried about the orange bowl for FSU's culture. In hindsight, was this a mistake to have played it? Cause I said on cover three that I do actually legitimately believe had it been the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, that FSU would have found a way to not play the game. Like, I think because you have such prominent alumni, uh, I'm not hearing you. Is there the internet on me or you? That's interesting.
0: Interesting, um... Cause you have prominent alumni involved in the orange bowl committee and other yeah. things like that.
1: Mm. Yeah. You have like, you have like such like history with the orange bowl. Like it, it's, it's actually, it, it's your conference tie in, mm-hmm. you know, like the year Penn state played Memphis, right? Like that's not really a, like the cotton bowl is not a, a big 10 stalwart. Right. Not that you really care about the ACC anymore. I don't think given that you're suing to leave, but I, I just based on what you rolled out there, you kind of boycotted the game without actually boycotting the game. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, my personal opinion I know nothing about the inner workings of this. Um I believe that you were in a place where not playing the game would have been very hard to do and might have put you in an even worse position with some of the things that are pending or, you know, out there. So, um, yeah, I think you were always going to have to field some type of team for that game.
1: Um, there is some COVID going around though. Just saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is no, I mean, I've, I've, uh, spent the last two weeks feeling like absolute crap. So um, whether it be COVID or flu or whatever, I, I understand. Um, maybe that could have given you an avenue. I don't know, man. I mean, the, for me, the toughest part of that game was, was the. I mean, you and I were texting back and forth. It was, it was before the game. It was the realization that, like, yes, you are here. You probably should never be at this bowl game to begin with. Not that I thought that you were going to be particularly competitive, but when you looked out on the field and realized there's no Bethune, there's no Fisk, there's no Farmer, was somebody that I didn't expect to play, but, you know, further, uh, Drilling home the point that yes, you probably should have never been here to like, you know, I didn't know that they were going to lose 60, 60, 63 or whatever, but I knew what was about to take place. And I don't know Kirby Smart personally, but I know a lot of guys on that staff and a lot of those guys who work in that building. And, you know, when Kirby Smart spends the day before talking about how frequently you guys go up against each other in recruiting battles. Now uh, that's, um, yeah, hadn't had a, had an idea as to what was coming. I'll put it that way. So, uh, yeah, the Orange Bowl was trash, man. That was that was no fun. Uh, happy to have it behind us, and just felt like something that had to be, you know, had to be gone through for whatever reason. And
1: and uh, brighter days are ahead. Yeah, I. I I think the idea of proving yourself in the Orange Bowl is bunk. Like, if the 13 games you played wasn't enough to prove <laughs> yeah, yourself, man, I mean
0: like, that's laughable, dog. Yeah, that part I... I just have to laugh at. Like, oh yeah, the like the first 13 games, like you know, beating LSU and uh, every other game that you played this year or is that is, is that, but now you got to prove yourself in a exhibition game after you've been told that the entire season didn't count. Like that's that's just a funny funny chuckle. So I mean I.
1: I did set up a a little column on TweetDeck to filter everybody who uh, had some version of like 60 or 63 to 3 and just auto-mute them. I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is good. Uh, You know, people who, I I don't know if you caught Cover through yesterday, but I kind of went through this. You know, bowl games have been exhibitions for about 100 of of the 125 years they've been around. So I didn't realize this, but uh, somebody had, had, had mentioned it was like, you know, they, they for the longest time, they were exhibitions like they were just fun, like travel games, like the results were always wonky. And uh, so the national title was only awarded post bowl game, right? Like to where the bowl game result mattered from 1974 to 1997. After that, we had the BCS, you know, and mm-hmm. then rolled into the playoff. That's a pretty short period of time, like a quarter century. Now, granted, that's you know some of the formative years for what we would consider kind of modern college football. Um, you know, it's it's post you know, post integration of the sport and whatnot. But uh, they really were, if they're not involved in the national championship, like they're kind of just exhibitions. And I'm, I am curious what happens uh, to them long term. But I I don't think NIL is going to solve this because no. Now I have, we legitimately haven't had a chance to talk to each other
0: in a week or so. So Bud's not parroting that of what I believe, but there's not an, no, this is not an NIL. Abs- I mean, now look now, if the bulls start paying, you know, per, per player participation or something like that, then yeah, maybe that would change things, but. um, Okay. So here's a kid who almost played in the game in my opinion, and there would not have been a dollar figure that could have moved him into playing the game. Okay. So my point is, is if this kid would have played the game, it's because he would have independently chosen to play. Not, there, not financial outside circumstances. Uh, you may think I'm crazy, bud, but I will tell you that I think Jared verse was very close to playing in this game. Okay. There is not a financial figure that could have moved Jared verse into playing this game. That would have had to have been the kid's decision. Um, there are, you know, things structured in in ways that you can do that, um, but ultimately, I don't think these kids opted out because of anything to do with NIL, and NIL is not going to be the solution to have these kids be playing at bowl games that are otherwise glorified exhibitions. At least, just from one man's perspective and one man's experience on the subject matter,
1: and and the business of bowl games, right? So bowl games have exploded because of tv so in 1997 there were only 25 bowl games now we have what like 48 i think something like that 44. yeah and one owner of almost all of them yeah they exist to fill tv inventory the most casual college ball audience you have all season is bowl games it's Mm -hmm. people who are sitting on the couch all the families are together. You've come in and you know, maybe you're spending the week with your family or whatever. You're watching for the Jersey, not the name on the Jersey, right? It's just filler content for, for the most part, ESPN, like ESPN owns more than half of the bowl games. Yep. Now the bowl games themselves, a lot of them are set up as nonprofits and and some of them actually do do some good work. Uh, Dan Wetzel has two books that you guys, should, I, honestly, I think every college ball fan should read, uh, Bowls, uh, what was it bowls something in Tattered Souls? I think is the one, but the other one is Death to the VCS, mm-hmm. right? Where you know, he kind of talks about how the bowl system actually works and whatnot. Anyway, like the bowls, I don't think it's worth it for them to pay players to pay players to p- to play. It just I don't think that makes good business sense. You know, it even if you do, are they really going to care? I mean, Malik Neighbors for LSU played the first half because he wanted to get a record, and then sat out as LSU came back, I, it, you know, and, and and beat beat Wisconsin in the second half. I I don't really know. Uh, by the way, Daniel's backup is legitimately good. Like I, I think LSU got one there, the, the Nussmeier mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I don't take a whole lot away from the Orange Bowl. I did think that it was. Some of the balls Brock Lynn threw were uh like nice on target downfield throws. So that was encouraging. He looked more comfortable much more comfortable in this game than he did against Louisville. And uh I I can see some of the glimpses of things that you saw early this year in practice that the staff really liked before he, you know, before he hurt his his thumb. Yeah. Uh, so yeah,
0: nice little scale up by Brock. Uh Kentron Portier had his best game of the season. Um a guy that you would expect to be a large part of the offense moving forward. Um, yeah, it's about it, you know, I mean, yeah. from, from the positives. So um, I'm just not going to be particularly critical of, of anybody. I mean, I talked to a couple of those guys uh, that ultimately chose to not participate and um, yeah, I mean, their, their concern was like, well, they knew they what just, was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen, and they also knew that they were going to be, you know, getting signals from kids who hadn't otherwise played, like that weren't going to be able to line up right. Yeah, you know, just new. So, um, I respect everybody. You know, anybody, and and also, and Bud, you know, look, you, I told you this. I think the Sunday after the game, after the Louisville game, uh. Basically, I think every kid that I told you who I thought might not play didn't, with the exception of Deloach. Um, yeah. yeah, you were dead on. A lot of those guys were got through this season on duct tape and bubble gum, man. And, and I mean, keeping their bodies together with duct tape yeah. and bubble gum. And chose to have surgery, chose to have a medical procedure as soon as they could. Because as soon as you know you're not playing in the playoffs, then... Yeah, no, I'm not going to play another game as a defensive tackle with a broken hand. I'm not going to play. You know, if I've got to get ready for the draft, then I need to go ahead and have my shoulder done. I need, you know, like it's. I don't even. I I don't even classify that as an opt out. I just classify that as common sense winning the day. You know, I. I just you're not you're not going to go play in a game if you've got to have work done and then got to go get ready. You know, maybe you're going to be a. A fourth round pick at best or something like that you got to get ready you got to go out to arizona or tampa or whatever you're going to do for for combine yeah. uh prep and all the other things and yeah having a, having a medical procedure means that's what you got to do and it means you're not going to play in the bowl game and that that was the case with uh an awful lot of those kids i would not classify that as an opt-out but that's just, and even yeah.
1: the ones that didn't get surgery definitely need, needed rest you know mm-hmm. like yeah. I don't think Keon Coleman needs any kind of procedure, but like, I mean, he was definitely dealing yeah. with, with with a knee contusion and a couple other things. Yeah, yeah. like nope. there were weeks where he barely or didn't practice at all, right? And still went out there and gutted it out on on Saturdays, uh, and looked more limited as the year went on, right? Because like the guy, I think, does care about playing ball. From a business standpoint, you would be an idiot to run out there at half speed with a half team against Georgia, right? Like that—that's a good way to. to have negative film right so no i i don't knock any of those guys um and, and like i hope they were encouraged from what i had heard to go and, and, and get it done like hey man like get yourself right for pro day we appreciate you playing through stuff during the year when, when you could like it, it's it's time you go to college to prepare yourself for your career yeah. if your career is playing professional football it's a very short career
0: Tatum Bethune gave you two and a half quarters on one leg in the yeah. ACC championship game, okay? Good for that kid yeah. you, that that's when you needed it. That's when you needed a kid to put the team above himself and he did. you don't you don't need that for an artville exhibition and I know it sucks to sit on your couch or to be in that stadium like I was and see you know third string Georgia go score another touchdown. yay, let's play you know uh, glory glory and all the good stuff and I'm being very sarcastic when I say that but that's the right decision it's the right decision for everybody involved so uh s- season was special spectacular It was 13 and 0 and it got blindsided uh the sunday after the louisville game and and the season was over so um you know that's just
1: how it is and, and how it played out unfortunately the the other positive i think you can take from this is and I, I mentioned this post-signing day, right? And it wasn't a, they don't know what they're doing. I just openly asked, like, does Mike Norvell know what a big-time recruiting operation looks like, right? And I think that's still a very open question. I think the floor for a Mike Norvell program is extremely high because I, th- I think he does have good culture. I think he has good player development, and I think he has good coaching. We do not know if he can recruit high school at a championship caliber level. So far, they have not, right? Now, that's not him entirely, but it is the staff in terms of how hard do you work them. right? Do you get out work? And do you have the actual sales ability? Recruiting is sales. It is a skill, right? And this is a player acquisition business. I do think that Mike standing there on the sideline has to be like, damn. Do my assistant coaches have the ability to go get guys look like that? Because the players Florida State has do not look like the players Georgia has. Physically, they're not built the same. They don't certainly run not
0: after the first eleven. No, right,
1: exactly. And the first eleven, for the most part, came from the transfer portal. So, you know, it. I I actually think that could be a positive for Mike. Mm-hmm. It, it, like like because that's the first time he's really played. Somebody who comes from the Saban tree, that has had it rolling a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like a Bama, a Georgia. Um, you know, in and, and Oregon now, I, I, I think under Lanning, right? Who, Lanning actually worked for Mike, but he actually also worked for Kirby, which is kind of where I'm like, that was sort of who I was going to. It's like, all right, Lanning worked for Kirby. He seems to understand what it takes to recruit at that level. If you look at who Mike has worked for, he's never worked for an elite recruiter. So I think it is still an open question as to whether he understands how it's supposed to look in terms of the process. But now he does know how it's supposed to look in person, seeing those teams up close. So I I am curious to see how things evolve throughout his career. Like you just, I think he's a great, a great coach and somebody that I think Florida State fans should be extremely excited that they did sign to the extension. I think he definitely knows what he is doing overall and every coach has room for room to improve. So uh, I think that was probably good. Something else good. I think getting DJU in is a good move, right? It just... I think he's a like reasonably decent to good college quarterback when you understand his strengths and weaknesses. And my personal goal for this upcoming season is to avoid like a material backslide, right? Do things to secure the floor of the roster to where you are not going six and six or seven and five, right? Eight and four doesn't kill you. It's a, it's a a somewhat of a step back, but like it, we understand, or I think, I think this is a rebuilding year because I don't think Mike has much talent on this roster. Right. You know, but like, yeah, it's,
0: yeah. Yeah. He's an intriguing prospect. He's had uh, success wherever he's gone. Relatively speaking, obviously he was at Clemson when, you know, Clemson was at kind of the apex of, of what they had, had been, um, Big boy, man. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but, um, I, that, you know, you, you can do some exciting things with, with him in the run game and, uh, the idea of, of DJU running behind Keandre Jones and, and some of the other offensive linemen that Florida State's, uh, put together or, or potentially will put together that unit is, uh, I, you know, that's just a little bit of a different wrinkle as to what this offense can look like. And, um, You know, 6'5", 250, or whatever it is, is a different look. And, uh, you know, gives you the opportunity to, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait for the first third and two play against Georgia Tech next year or whatever, you know. Let's see what we're doing. See what having a a body like this in the backfield means from the quarterback position and what Mike tries to do with it. So, uh, very good pickup. Uh, I agree. Uh, You do have to like the progression that you've seen out of Brock so far. Uh, This gives him a chance to, you know, fully know his role and watch it develop. Um, And I think the coaching staff is very, um, from what they can tell about Luke as well, they feel like they've hit there already. So the coaching staff feels very confident that they have two young quarterbacks who are very dynamic and have the potential to be, Big-time, big-time players. And DJU is a great bridge to get you
1: to those two kids. If you want, like, real reasons for positivity in the coming years, I I think, number one, head coach. Number two, quarterback room. Right? That is the most important position in football by far. And, look, do I think DJU is going to be the starter? I do. If, for some reason, Brock Glenn beats him out, get he up. Because that means he's taken a big time leap in his third semester on campus. Or no, because uh, he got hurt. Yeah. All right. So basically, like, like a year on campus, he'd have taken a huge leap. Because, like, we, I think we have a reasonable understanding of what DJ is. You know, like, I don't think DJ is a superstar. I'm very skeptical of all of these guys who are like 23 years old coming back to play another year of college ball at quarterback. Right. Like, if you had, like, if you're going to be a top pick, you would go to the pros for the most part, but it can be a really nice thing to have in college. Like Bo Nix is not going to be a top pick. It's a damn good quarterback. Jordan Travis, not gonna be a top pick. Damn good college quarterback. There is a market for these guys. And I think that it does help you secure your floor quite a bit. Right. I, I, I'd be very surprised now that you have quarterback secured. If you had some kind of major backslide season where you went six and six or seven and five, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen now. And I think most of that is because of quarterback and coach. Like, I trust this this coaching staff not to screw around a lot on game day. And I think now that you have quarterbacks that you can trust or that, that they like, and it's not a great year for, for quarterbacks in the portal, by the way, right? Especially not with Cam Ward uh, deciding to go pro, which, you know, like if the guy doesn't want to play college football anymore, which is what I had heard, you know, it was like the, the parents kind of wanted him to, but maybe he didn't want to play more college football. If that guy was sort of the top of the market dude, which I think he was, um, or at least kind of maybe him and, and, and Leonard, the kid from Duke who, who went to the Irish, and that seemed to be uh, predestined. Not that there was any tampering involved, of course. Uh, this is a nice get. And, and, and something I think Florida State fans should be pretty happy about, you know? Uh, other needs in the portal. I did see Earl Little Jr. jumped in. Um, he was a guy that Florida State recruited heavily as well as uh, Miami did, and then he ultimately chose Alabama. Uh, he was coached by a dude named Pat Sertan, who is now the defensive backs coach at Florida State. Uh, I saw my friend uh, Zach Blostein from Knowles 247 just reported that he'll be on campus today. So mm-hmm. a good, good report there from Zach and uh i think you love your db room if you can add another experienced safety type player you know to, to guy who, who can play nickel can be a versatile dude kind of like uh, like the role jamie robinson was able to fill two years ago with the versatility i i think that's uh, something you definitely don't don't turn your nose at, right so uh that would be that'd be nice to get um they still need to, to i think fill needs Probably need an offensive lineman, a, a veteran guy. Uh, although, I did see, congrats to you. Uh, a lot of the offensive linemen have announced relationships uh, with the battles in that they'll, they'll be returning. You know, when I look at a team like Washington, man, they have nine COVID seniors on that team. Mm-hmm. Look, there is something to be said for being crazy experienced. And if you could stay healthy with those guys and they've had some real injury issues, not really their fault. <laughs> but it, it's the reality. That's a group that's played a lot of football together. You know, that, that that could be a reason why you're sneaky better than people think next year. If you add a piece or two and you have all that experience.
0: Be very interesting, man. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to be pretty solid at running back uh, with the guys you bring back and, and then any, you know, additions that may occur down the road there. Uh, I think you're going
1: to love Kim Davis. Yeah. I got to tell you, man, like I've, I've spent like five days around him now, just, I think people are going to love Cam Davis. I, I understand running backs are devalued, and I know the top end speed may not be amazing, but it would not shock me at all if Cam Davis leads his team in rushing next year. Mm, okay, like interesting. I, I think he is a guy who has. I just, I watch him. I'm at this Under Armour game. First of all, respect anybody who's still playing in these. Right, like that. Like I think almost everybody who is kind of loves ball so mm-hmm. like that, that that's but it's a guy who takes it real seriously he's about his business when you talk to him he he takes a second to answer he's real thoughtful with how he answers like he it's like talking to an adult you know he he seems to be about his stuff it, i think he understands offense he played quarterback he also catches the ball real well i've seen him do that in 7 on um i think he's a guy that like i think he's going to be a coach's not a teacher's pet, but like there's a guy that does things right and is going to get on the field. So yeah, I, I'm excited, man. I, 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 know we jumped ahead a little bit in recruiting and, you know, under our talk, but I, that's a guy I think you gotta be really, really excited.
0: I've been fortunate enough to work with you for 15, 16 years now, bud. not too many texts that have come through my phone just randomly being like, hey, this kid's really impressive. I like him a lot. Uh, and that, you know, without well, giving away, Everything that was that was this weekend after you spent some time or more time with Cam Davis. So, uh, interesting kid who, yes, will by all accounts is going to immediately be involved in, in what you do at that position. So, uh, you know, wide receiver, you've got some solid pieces coming back, in my opinion, uh, that will continue to grow in prominence. You've got some really young kids like Hakeem and, and Destin that I think are going to step up and be massive parts of of the offense. And then, you know, we'll see whether or not uh, additional pieces are worked into that position. So, you know, the offense, uh, you can figure out a little bit more what you're doing at tight end. Obviously, Morlock's going to be what you kind of build around everything around there. Um, I think the offense will be, be pretty solid. You know, uh, we'll have to see if it reaches that, you know, level of being dynamic or whatever other term you want to use to apply it. But a lot of pieces there to give you confidence that you're going to be a a very, very solid offense next year.
1: And it's, like, I don't know what would have to happen for me to be like, yeah, this Mike Norvell-led offense is going to suck. But it would take a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. there are certain things we just kind of know that based on the coaching, the scheming, the development, the purpose with which they play, you're going to score points, typically, right? And they had some struggles this year at times, but they did usually find a way to work around it. Um, One area that I do think that they need to address on the offense, and it's actually a good year for this in the portal. It looks like it. you did not have a guy this year defensively that you could run some of those slot overs with, right? Just the guy that like, it was like, Florida State would do this with uh, with Pokey Wilson, so okay. yeah. in in, in twenty two, right? And from a variety of, of alignments, but and, and this is not a commentary on losing Pittman because Pittman was the slowest receiver you had on the team, so it's not that. But it's like you did not have a guy who was an absolute blazer, like speedster guy, and I do think that that is a a piece that there are guys out there in the portal now who are looking for second chances or maybe are, are from the state of Florida. Uh, that's a benefit of coaching at Florida State, right? <laughs> the, the benefit is in the name of the school, Florida State University. A lot of guys want to come closer to home, or maybe they weren't they weren't guys who were obvious FSU talents at the time, but they've since showed something at a school or looking for a second chance or whatever. That That's a piece that you certainly could add to this offense because I think the big bodies in the room – I think you like, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentron made some plays in the bowl game against Georgia. He's a dude who had a good spring. You and I were both a little bit, not concerned as much, but it's like, all right, if you're going for it, going for it, like make the playoff, I, I think in another year of seasoning for Kentron would, would would be, would be ideal or not have to rely on him in 23 as much, right? 24 maybe he's a guy you can rely on more you know maybe hakeem as you mentioned takes a big step i'm excited to see all those dudes um defensively oh i did think crier played hard in the bowl game Yeah, agree right like some of these guys i don't know some guys just love ball more than others it's gonna be on, on, on any team really um not Somebody that had gotten to play a ton either, and somebody that was
0: starting to earn snaps towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, a guy that you know will
1: certainly be part of your what you're doing at linebacker next year. Totally agree. Um, D line, I think you want to continue to add pieces off the edge. Gilbert Edmond did hit the portal. Uh, look, Florida State has a so far a very high hit rate in the portal, they're not going to bat 1000, nobody does right and, and well if, if they do they're not on my spreadsheet but florida state definitely is one of so far and it's year to year but like they're one of the best portal teams out there and deserve credit for how they've attacked it and how i think early on it was definitely a market inefficiency to exploit and they did so you gotta add, i think you gotta add some more pass rush right um we'll see how that works and uh who they're able to get in that space at. Uh, continually changing and I mean could you add another d tackle I guess definitely need some help at linebacker if if you get her a little junior who's visiting today uh, I don't know how much more help in the secondary you you need depending on certain movement that you know could or, or couldn't happen there but I I could see this team coming together and basically having a season where it's like you know what I'm not going anywhere is it a bit of a rebuild yeah. You know who else they think has a rebuild next year? Michigan, as long as JJ McCarthy doesn't come back. Now, if he does, then they'll probably be really damn good again. But like it, you aspire to recruit at that sort of Bama, Georgia, Ohio State level because of the competition it breeds in practice amongst like abil- abled players. And also because of the lack of like enormous drop. Like they don't really have as many rebuilding years, they go through more reloading years. And that's why I bang the drum on the high school recruiting so hard, you know, because you're not as up and down, I guess, as um, as the portal can be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: I, I do see that. Um, you know, we'll have to see what this looks like after uh, tonight. I guess tomorrow. What you get if you played in one of the six bowl games, you get an extra four days to enter the portal or whatever. Um, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to look at what the you know consistency rate I guess of retaining high end uh high school kids in in this era of unlimited transfers etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, I'm I'll be fascinated to go back and look at what you know some of these classes 2 years ago put together by the Bama, Georgia, etc of the world how many are there um how how much... I, look, there's no argument. I was going to say I agree with you. There's no argument that high school recruiting is where you have the best chance to gather kind of the most elite pieces of clay, if, if that's the metaphor you want to use here. Um, but I do think we're entering into a whole new era of keeping that clay on your roster and seeing how difficult it is to actually mold it into You know, what you think you can in two to three years, and, you know, how, how, what the process is of keeping it, uh, you know, keeping elite domestic talent on your roster. So, um, yeah, brand, brand new world when it comes to that. So, so interesting to see what it looks like.
1: Agreed. And I, I think in some cases, if you're getting guys off like those four or five teams' rosters, there's a bit of like an adverse selection because, I think we have to assume that as rational actors, they're gonna look to keep the guys they really want to keep. But you can't always do it, right? Like if somebody offers you playing time and a, a starter's uh NIL opportunity, I don't, I don't want to say salary, obviously, uh, then you're gonna look at that pretty hard if you didn't play year one and if you're still sort of in the mix in year two. Like, don't you think like oh, look, I mean it's look at Barry you- Alexander. To
0: use a baseball analogy, man, if you're going to be, let's say, you're going to be someone's fifth option at defensive tackle, okay? So in this reference, you'll say you'll be their fifth starter in a in a rotation, but you know, random SEC West team is going to make you their number two. Then, you know, there there certainly is some financial uh, levels of variance that occur from school to school, conference to conference, etc. But it's not as though, you know, these three or four schools have just a totally different level of money and nobody else does. I mean, when you're speaking about Bama and Georgia and Ohio State to an extent, I believe that they're, you know, these are not the schools that race around in the NIL world and set markets. Okay. they're they're very confident in what they do, how they go about doing it. And it's not, um, you know, let's see how much money we can light on fire. Um, my whole point here is it's just going to be harder and harder to retain elite talent on your roster when somebody else can prioritize them at just a different level than you can. Um, so yeah, Look we'll see Bear what the long term ramifications are. Bear Alexander is a very I mean, good example.
1: If, if, if Georgia has Bear Alexander, do they beat Alabama? Well, okay. In fairness, if, Alabama doesn't get that complete bullshit catch call. And like that, they actually review the game. Like if the refs review it, then Georgia probably wins anyway. But I, I mean, they, Georgia had a weakness this year. They did not have quite as much depth on the defensive interior. And they didn't have the true super freaks there. Michigan apparently has those guys this year. Um, If you had bear Alexander like that, I think that's uh, to your point, man. Yeah. Like that, I think the talent is being a little more spread out through the sport. Even if we acknowledge that there is some adverse selection of the guys that you get, basically meaning like for every Jermaine Johnson, there's probably two or three Denver Harris type guys, right. That are, are, are leaving for a different reason, but you're still like still losing a Jermaine Johnson still hurts. It's still a meaningful loss to a team like that. So I, I agree with you. I, I think it is going to be fascinating. Like, you know, look, look at the look at some of the guys that Georgia's losing to Auburn. Um, by the way, from the Under Armour, Cam Coleman is a name everybody needs to know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like uh, A lot of years, he'd be the number one receiver. Mm-hmm. A lot of years. I did not know that his like ability to track the ball and adjust to it in the air was quite that special. I was like, hmm. He mossed Ellis Robinson a couple of times. Who's one of the highest rated corners I've ever seen. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, that 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 is a uh, that's good work. Because Ellis Robinson might start for George as a true freshman uh, at at corner. So, mm-hmm. um, let me see what else. Oh, positivity! Another reason why I remained pretty damn positive on this team, despite my concerns about especially defensive recruiting through the high school level is that I'm not really sure the teams on your schedule are taking big leaps through the portal as well. Now, that's sort of a – I'd rather feel good because of your own process as opposed to the failings of others. But who you play matters quite a bit as to your record and how you're perceived. You play North Carolina. They're keeping Mac Brown. They're letting him do the coordinator dance again. Like, that to me, that's a deeply unserious program right now. (laughs) Like they're I just they're just gonna let him play it out until he decides he doesn't want to coach anymore. I guess he fires Jay Bateman. Bateman goes and kills it at Florida. By the way, both those linebackers they signed look like mm-hmm. team Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and then now Bateman's gonna be the DC at Texas A&M. He did a great job at Army, for whatever reason. Maybe the culture <laughs> Mac Brown has uh, of softness doesn't allow them to, uh, you know, to flourish. And then they go Gene Chiswick and pull him out of the SC Network studios. Didn't really work too well. And I guess they're going to have a new DC again. So, like, you play them next year and they lose Drake May and they lose Tez Walker and a bunch of other important players. Will Shipley's going pro for Clemson. Not a moment yeah. too soon.
0: Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. No, I mean, you get Clemson at home. It'd be interesting to see. You get Clemson at home in a stadium with probably like 48,000 people. So, who knows what that will you know will mean but still it's a home game and um yeah conference is, is up for grabs so you know, yeah you can continue to have optimism about getting through this year and uh you know if you can add add a few more pieces then i'm sure you'll feel all the more confident about what the uh you know conference schedule looks like and and uh yeah very early i mean we've got a ton of time to look at this but i would say if this team can be a playoff team in any way shape or form then you know 2024 was a pretty significant success so um agree you with know, we've got we've got eight and a half months
1: to uh to dive into that so no rush on that what uh what's next what's next for you guys I, I I know membership's been uh been really strong
0: yeah yeah membership has been great and part of the reason why we're able to function at a high level is that we've partnered with the good people at congruity and always want to thank matt lewis for all the help that he's given both the nolcast the battles end and 10 or 12 other seminal affiliated businesses uh, congruityhr.com is the website matt lewis has been a great guy uh, for us to work with a great friend of ours and a uh, massive resource to any business that i've been a part of that we've uh, chosen to partner with congruity and uh, appreciate the uh, inflow and consistent inflow of interest, uh, in partnering with him from other listeners. Um, uh, so, but no, I mean, uh, battles end is, uh, just keep plugging along. You know, we play the, the role that we do here and, um, and, in, in retention and, and other things that, uh, are top of mind as we, you know, turn the, the calendar to 2024, but, uh, I've had a great surge in membership over the last month. Again, hate, the catalyst, uh, that brought that surge, uh, to be, but it certainly allowed us to, um, you know, mature as an organization and we're excited about the role that we can continue to play to support Mike Norvell and and the broader coaching staff.
1: No doubt about it. Um, all right. Some other thoughts from Under Armour. Uh, so Louis McCoy actually ended up playing some defensive back in the, uh, the UA uh, game last night. That was a good decision. The quarterback play in that game was horrendous, and that's not me taking shots at UA. They've, they're always great to me. I know twenty four seven has a relationship with the, uh, the All American Bowl over in San Antonio, but I love the UA guys. They treat me extremely well, and I, I think it's a first class game. Uh, unfortunately, DJ Lagway, who is like the actual stud quarterback who decided to play in the game, he got stepped on, so we had to leave uh, fairly early in the ball game. They he wanted to go back in, and they're like, "No, like we're we're putting ice on on your foot." Uh, I was sitting by the trainer table. So that's a guy that does like to play ball, it seems like. Like that, I, I was kind of expecting, you know, five star, get stepped on. And I'm good, but like he, he does kind of want to play. And he told me he's good. So anyway, that's a kid. I know he's going to Florida. I like him a lot. Like, seems like a really nice guy to talk to. And, um, but uh, I thought McCoy looked fairly good at DB as far as covering people because one team scored like 40 something and it was like two pick sixes and two. Uh, strip sacks and, and not a lot of uh, not a lot to be gleaned um, Jonathan Daniels I can certainly see why FSU likes him in terms of the uh, the length and some of the athleticism he's just gonna need a lot of seasoning man in the weight room mentality you know and technique as well right like just understanding how to play the position of offensive line is uh at Atkins has something there that I think he has a chance to be a player, but, uh, I would not anticipate it happening soon. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that's a guy that's probably like a year three type dude if he hits. So just to kind of give people timetables there, ultimately, um, not a lot for FSU. I believe at the, at the, the, what, what I'll call the army game, the All-American Bowl out there in, uh, in San Antonio, I'm not going to that this year, uh, because we have like 70 people from 24 seven sports, uh, at that. So I stayed behind to do the, the under armor game last night. Um, I think that's, I don't know, like that's pretty much all the FSU stuff I got for right now.
0: <laughs> uh, good deal, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, it's an interesting time here. Um, interesting time with a lot of different things going on. Uh, Great for us to be able to get back together, connect post Orange Bowl. Uh, You'll have to forgive us if we, um, you know, omitted a play-by-play review of that game. Um, It is what it is and it was what it was. Uh, So, you know, this kind of goes into the stretch here where Bud and I check in about every week or so uh, with you guys leading up uh, until spring and we'll have a a little bit more of a concentrated recording schedule there, but uh, you know, rest assured we will be here with any kind of uh, significant news as it occurs. And um, you know, we'll have a, a show in the next five or six days to kind of look back at what, you know, portal window number one looked like. So yes, sir, buddy. I will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Uh, before always want to thank our friends at Charlie park. I'm headed down to Tallahassee in about 17 minutes and uh, we'll be there at some point over the weekend. Undoubtedly. So, CharlieParkRooftop.com is the website and a place that uh, Bud and I always make an uh, attempt to, to frequent when we are in town and want to thank them for all the support they've given us over the years.
1: Awesome, man. I will see you soon. Till next time, bro. Good talking to you. See you, man.